0: Future Proof Gold with Jonathan McRae.
1: Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.
0: Hello and welcome to Future Proof. I'm Jonathan McRae. Thank you for subscribing, downloading, rating and if you'd like to comment on anything you can email us science at newstalk.com. If you heard in the last episode you would have heard that face blindness is actually a lot more common than we think. It's estimated that as many as one in 30 of us have difficulty recognizing faces and it brought to mind this special feature we ran last year in the middle of covid about face blindness and super recognizers enjoy you're in a crowded bar killing some time cold beer in hand covid a long distant nightmare you're sitting on a stool, idly peeling the top off a bar mat when you get a tap on the shoulder. You turn around and there's a man, arms wide, big smile on his face, and he says your name like you're the best of friends. But you, you have no idea who this person is.
2: I, I, I grew, grew up in, in, in Lucan, so just a bit, bit outside Dublin, and like, I think my childhood was pretty normal. Um, you know, I, I like a fairly grow, close group of friends my whole life. I'm still, still friends with a lot of them now. And with regards to my condition, I, I was completely oblivious uh, to it until my late 20s. Like, there are things with, with hindsight that I, I realised like, weren't normal, but like, I, I, never, I never spoke about them. I, I, I never really talked about them too much. My name is Colin Marr and I have prosopagnosia. I have this memory of when I was maybe six or seven, um, and um, like a woman approached me and uh, told me, "Come into, could come into my car. You'll be you'll be picked up in, in a while. Like your mother's running late." It turned out that this was absolutely fine. She was telling the truth, but I had no idea who the woman was, and uh, like I I I really uh, I I really shouldn't have done that, even though it worked out well, or asked her, asked her who she was. Until my late 20s, I would have just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm rubbish with faces. <laughs> um, so when, when I moved to the UK, which was, um, which was in 2009 when I was around 27, 28, I found myself with an entirely different circle of friends and I, I, I just noticed myself not recognising people all the time.
1: Prosopagnosia is an inability to recognize familiar faces, but it can also be associated with other types of impairments, so an inability to perceive differences between two faces, for example, which tells us that it's something to do with not just memory, but really the way the visual brain works and how it dissociates one face from the next. My name is Fiona Newell. I'm Professor of Experimental Psychology at the Institute of Neuroscience in Trinity College, and I'm interested in human perception. Being able to recognize a face is really fundamental to us as social animals. And in fact, most social animals that we know of have a region that's dedicated to perceiving faces, it's even sheep, have neurons in their brain that uh, respond to faces and other sheep faces and even human faces.
0: It's hard for someone like Colin to tell us how he experiences the world because he's always been that way. He has developmental prosopagnosia, which is why it took him so long to realise that his brain worked slightly differently. When you look at someone's face, do you see all the features as solid cuz i know there are some brain conditions where the the pieces are jumbled when you look at my face do you see um eyes nose are these memorable at the moment for you
2: Uh yeah absolutely but like i i i don't i i don't know how I describe you I'll, I'll like uh, just I suppose like a, a, a bit of a bit of stubble I, I don't know whether you like your, your nose looks any bigger or smaller than anyone else's I, I think maybe people make mental notes of these things I, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you I don't, I don't know like, I, I, I don't know what the world looks like for you Do
0: you see races? Do I see races? Yeah, yeah. If I showed you a picture of Barack Obama would you recognise it? Yeah Would you be able to recognise me if you met me again?
2: No.
1: Prospagnosia is often referred to as face blindness, but I don't like that term too much because it doesn't really tell us about the condition. Uh, it's definitely not the case that they cannot see faces. They can. Uh, It's just that, and it's not that they, you know, that there's a total blindness to faces. What it means, it's a clinical term, which means that you are um, worse than what would be expected in the average population at this task. Okay, so it doesn't mean that you're totally unable to do it, it just means you're worse.
0: The wild thing about people who experience prosopagnosia is that they have no problems with other things. They can recognise cars, buildings, their keys, for example, but show them the face of a good
2: friend and they can draw a complete blank. I remember one of the most embarrassing examples was just, you know, um, I, I, I was walking, walking in the park and it was in London on a sunny day and I got this in, and um, she was like, so how's it going? And then, I I I just went blank, and I, I thought, "There's no, I've got, I've got nothing, I've got nothing here. I've got no questions to ask you." Um, so I um, I I I just had to um, I I I I just had to say, "I'm really, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I don't know who you are." She she was she was shocked, and um. She's like, it's, it's Sue Ann. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. And then it's just like, listen, I'm really, really bad with faces. Because I, I, I think some people tell me that other people do this. And it's a kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I wouldn't know who you are, you know. And like, uh, uh, like obviously, uh, that, that's not the impression I want to give. But I, I, I think when people can see how embarrassed I am, it, it, it helps me. You know, because it's not—it's not me being—it's not me being aloof. It's just me being who I am.
0: Collins' prosopagnosia is mildly embarrassing, but it clearly doesn't distress him. That's not always the case, though.
1: And it can be really de- devastating for somebody who has prosopagnosia—that you know, from one minute to, to the next, they don't recognize the familiar people that surround them um, uh, every day. Um, so it's an impairment. You can be born with it or you can acquire it Uh, so you can sustain some brain damage to that specific region of the brain and that then you might become prosopagnosic.
3: I'm Bob and I had a stroke in 2008 and that destroyed the part of my brain that does face processing so I've got fairly normal vision otherwise, but I can't recognise human faces. How I see faces is quite a hard thing to describe and and hard to convey to other people. But what I see is completely normal. So it's exactly the same as what I saw before I had the stroke. I actually know this because being an acquired prosopagnosic, I had 52 years of normal recognition. So I know what that's like. And then uh, since um, 2008, having... The inability to recognize anybody so I can remember everything else about people uh, as much as one does in normal interaction, but I won't recognize the face. And I understand from the neuroscientists that there is a dedicated area in our brains which recognizes human faces and that's missing for me.
1: The fusiform gyrus, it's a structure in the brain that if you imagine putting your finger over your ear, parallel to the ground, it's roughly around there. Um, And so it projects from the the back of the head right to the front of the ear. And within that gyrus, which means bump in the brain, there's a region about the size of the top of your finger that we call the fusiform face area. And that region uh, in the fusiform gyrus is the region that really selects faces and it processes faces. But it's only one region of the face areas of the brain that deal with faces. There's lots of other regions. There's at least three, let's say, in the human brain that deals with faces that we've identified and characterised quite well, and there's probably lots more. But the main one is in this fusiform gyrus called the fusiform face area. We know that the fusiform face area is responsible for face perception from a variety of sources of evidence. The first was, is the oldest source of evidence, and that comes from patient studies, um, where um, neuroanatomists discovered that if you damage that part of the brain, that patient is, is rendered with an inability to recognize faces. And a lot of that evidence came from the war, you know, soldiers having uh, damage to their brain and suddenly they couldn't recognise the most familiar faces around
3: them. People do have clothing styles and there are things like uh, postures and mannerisms. And without being rude, no face is perfect. People have odd little blemishes or um, features. And what I do is make notes. If I'm at a conference, I'll make discrete notes, which if anybody saw me doing it, would be very creepy because I'll be writing things like Fat Bald Man with Big Wart. Uh, so I've got to be, be very careful that, they, that nobody sees what I'm doing. And clearly, if, if you didn't know why, um, long blonde lady with uh, silver glasses and pink blouse, uh, it would look, as I say, creepy if you didn't know the reason I was doing it. My daughter has got a little mole on her cheek. Without that, there are occasions when I would not have recognized her. But, and particularly from photographs, I've seen groups that include my daughter and other young ladies of a similar sort of appearance. And I often can't identify which one is her.
0: So you can identify the mole on your daughter's face, yes. but not the face of your daughter.
3: That's exactly right, exactly right, yes.
0: Imagine not being able to recognize your own daughter. But for me, the real brain flip of Bob's pure prosopagnosia is that it's also instant. The moment he looks away
3: from your face,
0: it's forgotten.
3: There was one occasion when I had to meet somebody in a station cafe. uh, And I think um, I went up to get coffees and then came back and I couldn't identify the person that I was with. I'd been speaking to him, went away to get the coffee, came back, and I didn't know where he was sitting and and who he was. So after that, I've always been very careful to make a mental note so that I can locate where I was before, knowing now that I won't be able to recognise the person I was with.
0: You can imagine prosopagnosics like Bob and Colin are of some interest to psychologists and neuroscientists who are trying to understand how the brain works.
4: My name is Micah Ramon. I'm a cognitive neuroscientist, and I'm interested in how face processing is implemented by the human brain. I became interested in face processing during my studies when I heard about newborns' preference for faces. So within even 48 hours after birth, infants tend to prefer to look at things that resemble faces. So imagine you have an oval shape with two dots in the location where eyes would be, a line and a horizontal line at the bottom. This could look more face-like than, say, a rectangle with a dot in the middle. So things that have information that's arranged in a face-like composition, they tend to prefer to look at more than other stuff. I'm a trained neuropsychologist and I did my degree in psychology and I have a PhD in neuroscience. So I kind of try to combine all the methods and and skills that I've picked up along the way and um, what type of methods or experiments I do really is determined by the question. So if I'm interested in looking at individual fixation strategies, obviously I will use eye tracking as my method of choice in that context. If I'm trying to understand differences in the performance between prosopagnosics and normals, maybe I'll do an experiment that only taps into behavior in a first instance.
0: By comparing neurotypical brains to those of prosopagnosics, we can start to piece together how our minds identify and store memories of faces.
2: There's two types of tests going on in memory. There is one which I, I call the Grant Mitchell face test because it's they showed you pictures of just bland faces with 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 no with, with no facial hair and balls. And to me, they all look like Grant Mitchell. But I I I think other people could say they don't look anything like Grant Mitchell. But it was just a screen full of Grant Mitchells, and then I have to like I press a button when I notice the same face coming up again.
0: One of these tests that Colin took part in. up a rather interesting discovery. Colin can't even recognise his own face.
2: I was asked to, I was asked to shave my beard uh, and then go in and and do a study. And then they were showing me faces and one of the faces um, was mine. And I didn't pick up on that straight away, but I I did by by the time the study was complete.
3: What? done mostly in these experiments is be shown a computer screen with lots of different artificially created faces so they're computer generated images and the tests involve things like being shown a face and then being shown five faces and you have to say which of the five was the one you saw before and I get appalling scores doing that um and then they've done other tests where they show something like um and there's been some variance on that so they show upright and inverted spaces because no human being can identify inverted spaces properly so i come out like the controls with upside down faces
0: funnily enough that's not entirely true there are some people who can recognize faces very very well even inverted ones they're called super recognizers
4: so what we're not very good at is matching faces that are unfamiliar to us for instance if i show you a picture of your mother at the age of three you will be able to recognize her despite never having had seen this picture before however if i show you uh, an infant picture of myself since you don't know me well it's very unlikely that you'd be able to identify me on that picture super recognizers are pretty good at this for instance, one of the super recognizers that I work with um, reported that she had recognized someone at an international airport in Germany who she had only briefly seen once at a hotel in Turkey. And this was really impressive because she had A, never actually interacted with this person, B, she recognized them in an unexpected and unlikely context. And C, she had seen this person as a child 10 years prior.
0: <laughs> wow. As someone who is bad with faces, this is astonishing to me. I had to speak to a super recognizer and I found one.
5: My name is Lauren and um from Scotland. I suppose I've always known I was a super recognizer, but didn't really know it had a, a title like that. I grew up watching um programmes like Crime Watch and just absolutely loved identifying people and just thought I would love to do that one day. You know, I I could recognise just random people from, um, I'd maybe only seen once, just something that I guess I've always had.
0: Lauren has lots of stories like the lady in the airport, but the one that really got me thinking was this one.
5: Years ago, um, when I met one of my uh, friends who happens to be one of my best friends now, I met her in my early 20s. And when I first met her, I said, oh, yeah, I've definitely seen you before, but you were, this must have been years ago. You were walking down this particular street in Glasgow and you had dreadlocks. And she said, what? I just At this point, she had this long, glamorous hair, but I just remembered her. Walking down the street years before with her dreadlocks in and it was her. She was a bit freaked out. <laughs> and um, one of the first things I'd said to her was, oh, yeah, I've, I've definitely met you before. I've seen you before. And um, I described her what she was, we were walking, she was walking down a particular street in Glasgow. She had dreadlocks at the time and no interaction at all. We hadn't spoken. It was just, she would literally walked past me. She just couldn't believe it that I had I had remembered her all these years later.
0: So the maths on this are hugely individual and not great, to be honest, but we've guesstimated that the average person can remember about 5,000 faces, but that's remembering a face that presumably you have some interaction with over your entire life. But in terms of faces we just see in a flash, like Lauren describes, how is it possible that the brain can remember a face it saw years ago in a totally different environment for a heartbeat? Micah says, We just don't know yet.
4: At the moment, there are roughly, I don't know, some 20, 25 papers on the topic of super recognizers in the scientific literature. And um, a lot of these don't actually report empirical data. So it's like commentaries or reviews. Um, so there's a lot of work to do. and. That's why I'm looking into this.
0: That said, that said, Micah's work has shown that for super recognizers, when they see a face, the activity is very different to neurotypical brains.
4: Yes, my collaborators and I have recently found exactly this. So we do have evidence to think that super recognizers' brains are fundamentally different or process facial information in a different way. So we used electroencephalography or EEG to measure electrical activity from the scalp. And we then showed observers images of faces and objects like over 3000 times per participant. And we measured how the brain responds to each of these events, let's say. And what we found is that super recognizers and controls brain patterns are different from as early as 70 milliseconds after an image is presented.
0: So we know one thing, there is a spectrum. And wherever you sit on it, Something interesting happens when you look upon a face. And even if you are at the extreme end, you're not alone. Lauren, our super recognizer, used to work with someone who had face blindness.
5: I have actually worked with a girl um, in my last job. There was a girl who had that the very thing you're talking about and um, it was just, it was strange because we're at such opposite ends of the spectrum. The weird thing is that she would forget me the next day, but I would remember her face for the rest of my life.
0: I hope you enjoyed that. That was our um, flashback to the piece we did on face blindness and super recognisers, thanks to Aidan McCovey who was producing that. We'll be back with more Future Proof on News Talk at 10am next Sunday. Uh, thanks to Marisa Silvan, producing Simon Keane, Steve Daunt and Hugo De Silva on sound. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on Future Proof. Future Proof Gold with Jonathan McRae, proudly supported
4: by Science Foundation Ireland on
0: News Talk.